0: Well, if you weren't awake, I'm sure you are now. Hey, I'm uh, glad that you guys are here. Thank you guys so much for being here in the house today. For those of you who are on the backstage patio and in at home, really glad that you guys are a part of things. And today we're kicking off a new series called Landing Lights, and I'm very excited about this series. This is something that um, really has been kind of in the crock pot for a long time in my uh, life because this is something that was poured into me when. I, I was a teenager and really felt like the fact that it's May and the fact that it's uh, you know decision point for many people would be a good time for us to talk about uh, the landing lights of knowing God's will for our lives. And I just want to stop for a moment and say Happy Mother's Day to you who are moms and those who are in the role of moms. We are so incredibly thankful for your influence in our lives. And in the lives of our family and our church family, and we just wanted to say, I wanted to say happy Mother's Day to each and every one of you. And I want you to know too that I'm praying for many of you who, like myself, have lost uh, your mom, or maybe your mom is far away. And uh, so I just want to let you know I'm praying for those of us uh, who have lost a mom today. We are going to dive into this series that Justin's going to be helping me with in a few weeks, uh, called Landing Lights. And I don't know about you, how many of you have ever Ever heard the phrase um, "God's will"? Hang on, just a second. We've all probably heard that and wondered, what in the world does that mean? Am I the only one in here that's like, I wonder what that has meant? You can be honest in church this morning. It's okay. All right. So I've wondered what's that that's meant before. In fact, when I was about um, 16 or 17 years old, uh, I was called into the ministry, and I was so excited. And I remember going up to someone um, and saying, "Man, I feel like God has called me into the ministry, and I feel like it's his will, God's will, that I pursue ministry. And this person was like, what does that mean? And I was like, you know, I don't know. What does that mean? I don't really know what that means exactly. And I went to uh, a friend of mine who was my youth pastor, Jeff Cranston, who's the pastor of the church that helped get this church started out in Lowcountry Community Church and um, Jeff walked me through some things that helped me to determine whether or not it was God's will for me to pursue this ministry uh, as my calling and vocation. And the tools that he gave me, the markers that he gave me, has been something that we as a family have used, that Cynthia and I as a couple have used, all throughout our lives uh, when we are at decision points. And so, whether you're 18 and trying to determine where you're going to go to college and what career you're going to pursue, or if you're 80 years old and you're faced with a decision to make, or maybe uh, you have a crisis, and maybe you've never been given some of these basic tools that I think are really incredibly practical in helping determine what God's will is uh, or what God's plan is for your life. I think that this is something that's incredibly useful um, on just not on a day-to-day basis. And my prayer is, And my hope for you is that you'll use these five guides as a litmus test, if you will, um, for determining what God is calling you to do. Now, let's talk just for a moment about God's will and what this whole thing of God's will is. How do we know what God's will is? What is God's will even? What does this mean? And I think probably the best way to talk about God's will, just for a moment, because I really want to go to to this first one that we're going to talk about, but I want to talk about this for a moment, is to contrast God's will with our will. I don't think that we can really talk about what God's will is um, unless we compare it to our will, because we have to face the fact that we as people have this built-in tension that exists. Of this fight, this conflict, this tension between what we want in life and what God wants for our lives, and the fact is, is that we're all sinful and we all have this desire to please ourselves. Uh, I don't. I hope I'm not the only one that has that desire. And often, what that does is it fights against God's best for us and what God has for us and what God's plan for us is. I love this from Henrietta Mears. I think this might help some of us, uh, some of you maybe understanding what God's will is. She says this, will is the whole man active. She says, I cannot give up up my will. I must exercise it. I must will to obey. When God gives a command or a a vision of truth, it is never a question of what he will do, but what we will do. I want to say that again. She says, God gives, uh, God gives us a command or a vision or a truth. It is never a question of what He will do, but what we will do. To be successful in God's work is to fall in line with His will and to do it His way. All that is pleasing to Him is a success. And that's the mark of successfully following God's will is when we are making decisions and when we are choosing uh, options and when we are making life choices that please him. That's when we fall into his will. And so over the course of these next five weeks, we're going to talk about landing lights of knowing God's will. How many of you have ever been on an airplane when at the end of the flight, the whole cabin, the people in the cabin that are sitting with you and next to you and behind you and in front of you, they all applaud. Have you ever been in one of those flights when they all applaud? Raise your hands. Yeah, uh, I have too, and its I would say probably about half the flights I'm on, its you know, they applaud, and sometimes I'm like, It was a clear day outside, like there was no wind, why are we applauding this guy, right, or this gal, uh, the pilot, I'm just kidding, it really is a miracle that um, like we get to the ground every time, but uh, I was on a plane once, and I think we were coming into Fort Lauderdale or Miami, I can't remember which one, it was years ago, and it was one of those flights that was, as we took off and as we landed, there was a lot of turbulence and there were storms. And I remember that fog had rolled in. And the only reason that I knew that fog had rolled in is because as a passenger, I couldn't see the ground beneath us. And the next thing I know, we were on the ground beneath us, right? And we had landed and everybody clapped and I was clapping too. Yes, you did a good job today. And so uh, we were all very glad to be on the ground. But I was shocked that we went from being in the thick fog in that soup and we landed on the ground and we couldn't even see the transition. And you know what I thought in my mind? If I couldn't see the transition, you know who else couldn't see that? The pilot. There's something magical about these planes, right? And they do have in today's day and age, they have, I want you to hear this, they have guidance systems that bring them to the ground, many of them. They're equipped with the most modern guidance systems that will help bring them to the ground safely and guide them in on a foggy day and a stormy day, and days when even the pilots are maybe having a little bit of trouble. And the most rudimentary, basic, kind of old-school concept of that is landing lights both on the plane so that it can see the ground, so that it can safely land on the ground, and also some lights on the runway and further down the runway that pilots use to help line themselves up with the runway and make a safe landing. My grandfather was a general aviation pilot and I remember him talking about the fact that those strobe lights that you often see at night that help a pilot come to the ground that sometimes when you're on a perfect when you're lined up perfectly sometimes those strobes end up being one singular light in your eyes and with your vision and he says when that happens you know that you're on track for a great landing. And my prayer is is that we as God's people would understand that he has given us guidance systems. He's given us landing lights to know how to discern this life and find out what his will is. And when we're making decisions, when we have critical moments, when we have these times in this turbulent world of trying to figure life out, we have him who has given us several things, and we're going to hit five of these. Wise counsel, we're going to talk about next week, outside circumstances. Justin is going to talk to us about scriptural confirmation. We're going to talk about in week four, personal desire. And then we're also going to talk about the inner peace, the peace of God's Holy Spirit. And using those five landing lights to determine what we are supposed to do as God's people. Today, we're going to focus on wise counsel. And I picked this topic, particularly for today, in part because it's Mother's Day. And let's face it, our moms provide great, wise counsel. They provide us great, wise counsel. And the Bible talks so much about wisdom and using wise counsel. And today we're going to use Proverbs 11:14 as our springboard verse for today to talk about Wise counsel, the first landing light of knowing God's will. It says this. This is from the ESV. I want you to see this. The writer of Proverbs says, where there is no guidance, we just talked about that word. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is, what's that next word? Safety. There's safety. Just like when the people in the cabin cheer that the pilot has brought that plane down safely. In our lives, when we have an abundance of counselors in our lives, we can have safety in our lives. And I don't think it's any coincidence that the writer Solomon, who was, by the way, known as the wisest man in the world, used the word safety. Because life can be pretty treacherous when we're faced with decisions. Life can be pretty treacherous when we're faced with choices. Life can be pretty treacherous when what God's word is kind of different than what culture says what we're seeing in the world is different than what we know that God wants. I want to read it in the NIV, Proverbs 11:14. For lack of guidance a nation falls. Isn't that interesting? For lack of guidance a nation falls. But victory is won through many what's that last word? advisors. Victory is won through many I always like looking at the message, kind of a paraphrase or maybe a, a commentary, if you will, on the Bible. Verse 14 says, without good direction, people lose their way. The more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. I love that. Isn't that good? The better your chances. And I don't know about you, but I want to see safety. I want to see victory. And I want my chances to be better of following God in this life. And we cannot do it without wise counsel. Now, in the ESV, it uses the word counselors. It says there's in an abundance of counselors, there's safety. And, and the word in the original language, in the Hebrew language for the word counselors there is the word, it's spelled Y-A-A-T-S in English, and it's pronounced Yawats. It sounds like a southern word, doesn't it? <laughs> yawats, ats right? That sounds like a southern word. Why don't you guys say that with me? Y'all, ats. You can say it. You can all say it with me. Y'all, ats. Counselor. I love that. Use that today at lunch. Okay. So anyway, the word literally means in the original language. It means someone. Listen to this. Someone who has done the work and implied there is already. Someone who has done the work already. And it means someone who is helping you see the direction in the way that you should go. I love that. I love that. Someone who has done the work already and is helping you to see the direction in the way that you should go. If you look deeper into the meaning of the word, it makes clear the para- that parameters rest on, on the one who needs the advice, being given the advice, and also listening to the advice that has been given but we can't stop there. We have to realize that it's not simply talking about someone that's just giving good advice, like take this route home because it's quicker, but it's someone who's giving advice about God's calling in your life or what God wants for you. Because I believe that each of us are created for a purpose. Each of us were created unique for a purpose But this is talking about someone who has done the work before, but also is pointing you in the way of doing the work in the greater kingdom of God. God's work in your life. Now, I also want to say this before we talk about how to choose those counselors. There are a lot of counsel points in our life, spiritually speaking. And there are two that we're going to talk about in the weeks to come. And one of those is God's word. So, uh, you know, you know, I, I understand we're talking about counselors, a group of counselors, wise counsel today. But the primary way that we receive counsel is through God's Word and through God's Holy Spirit. And we're going to be talking about both of those this week. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, 24, your testimonies are my delight. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. And the general principle that we're talking about here is having a, a wide range of people who are wise that we bring into our lives to help us in decision making, to help us through navigating life so that we aren't basing it on intuition alone. I, I, I don't know how you operate and how you think through things, but I, I'm kind of an intuitive person. I, I, I like to make decisions based on kind of intuition or what maybe makes sense or how I feel or maybe just general kind of intuition in in the situation. The problem is, is that intuition doesn't weigh in wisdom from other people who have made that decision before. And so sometimes when we make decisions based on intuition alone, our own gut feeling about something... We may make good decisions, but we also have the chance, because we're making it by ourselves, of making horrible decisions. Listen, I want you to know that in my life, the worst decisions that I have ever made, I've made in a vacuum. I've not sought wise counsel. And I've taken kind of the Lone Ranger approach to making decisions. How many of you remember the Lone Ranger how many of you watched? I felt so much better about that this morning because I thought I was going to be the only one that remembered the Lone Ranger. And he was called the Lone Ranger sometimes because he did things on his own. Now, he had Tonto there. At least he had Tonto, right, to help him. But often we, we kind of take this Lone Ranger approach to making decisions and to trying to figure out what God wants for our lives. And when we do that, our plans are going to to fail. Proverbs 15, says, without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they, what's that next word? They succeed. So, do you want to be a person who has success in your life and makes wise decisions? Or do you want to be someone who just says, I want to do this on my own? Proverbs 24, verse 6, for by wise guidance, you can wage your war and in an abundance of counselor, there is victory. So this whole idea of having people around you to help you make decisions is not only a smart thing to do, it's not only a logical thing to do, it's not only a successful thing to do, but it's something that is spiritual and it's something that is from God's Word. How many of you in your life have you ever received bad advice? I'm raising my hand. <laughs> Have you received bad advice before? Some of you are like, you gave me the bad advice, all right? So don't do that t- to the ladies in your life. It's Mother's Day, okay? So anyway, so sometimes we get bad advice, but at least in, even, in seeking adv- or even in receiving bad advice, at least we are pursuing counsel. At least we're asking other advisors. The Bible has a lot to say about bad counsel and receiving bad advice. And sometimes we go at it alone, sometimes we don't ask because we've received bad counsel, sometimes we just want people who will agree with us, am I right? Like, so we bring in people to our inner circle, we bring in what we think of as, you know, advisors, we bring in people who are counselors, and all they're really doing is agreeing with us and confirming our own desires. You see, we can go at this one way. We can say, let me find people who will agree with me and confirm my desire, but that's not real counsel, is it? That's just a yes man or a yes woman just agreeing with you, just saying, hey, you're right, you're right, you're right, always saying you're right, that's not counsel. The right way to approach it is to say, let me find people who will be honest and thoughtful as I make my decision." Let me find people who will be honest and thoughtful as I make the decision that I need to make. Let me find people who will be honest and thoughtful about who I am as a person so that I go in the way that God wants me to go. whereas as Henrietta Muir says, that we line up with what God wants for our lives. I think the key thing, though, is really the how. How do we find advisors. First and foremost, uh, I think that we have to develop a life advisory team. Now, I used to call this um, a a life board of directors, but I, I did this with some college students years ago, and they didn't understand what a board of directors was. So uh, we talk now in terms of life advisory team. We all need people in our lives, and we've got to develop a life advisory team. But here's what I want to caution you, and this applies to all of us. Whatever stage of life we're at, whatever age of life we're at, this applies to all of us. The problem is, is that we will often develop this team or think of developing this team when we're in the midst of making the decision, and that doesn't help, does it? Because to find people like this, we'll talk about what are the characteristics are in a moment, to find this advisory team, to find these people who will give you good counsel, who will be thoughtful and and honest with you, to find people like that, people that you trust, it takes a long time. So, So my advice this morning, my counsel this morning, is to begin now to bring those people into your life, especially those of you who are getting ready to go to college and ready to make those life choices. Find people that you can trust so that you can call them at a moment's notice so that you're not caught off guard having to develop this life counseling team for yourself. Go ahead and begin now to develop a life advisory team. The second thing that I want to talk about today is that we must choose advisors carefully. We must choose advisors carefully. This is not just us saying, oh, I need people in my life who will give me good advice. Let me just pick some random people. I mean, that's not how presidents through the years have chosen their, their cabinets. Well, maybe some of them through the years have chosen them that way. But anyway, they're supposed to choose them thoughtfully and carefully, right? And that's what we should do. We should, should choose advisors carefully in our lives. And I wanna give you just three ways that we can look for and choose advisors. And by the way, this is not God, this is Todd. So, anyway, but I think it comes from godly wisdom, okay? So, first and foremost, I think we need to look for wisdom over talent. Man, talent's attractive, isn't it? Like having someone that's in your world that's got a great resume, it's got great skill, it has fantastic experience, none of which is wrong. But if we only look at talent, then we're going to miss the most important thing, and that's wisdom. Having wisdom, having someone who has you've seen and witnessed them making good, wise choices and good, godly decisions at critical moments in their life. So look for wisdom over talent. Look for wisdom over talent. The second thing is, is look for honesty over flattery. Look for honesty over flattery. Now, look, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a type, you know, uh, I guess, B person, or I'm a, I'm, I, I'm a people person, and I like flattery. How many of the rest of you? Most pastors like flattery. I like flattery, all right? Yeah, <laughs> Randy raised his hand. He's like, yeah, I did a good job on that video. Anyway, yeah, so you did, man. That was awesome. Um, but we like flattery, don't we? And we need people to encourage us. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But as much as it may pain us, we need people who are honest with us, don't we? We need people who will tell us the brutal, honest truth. We need people who will help encourage the things in our lives and will be encouraging in our lives on the things that are good, on, the, on our skill sets and on, on our, uh, our own talents and the things that they see that are best for us. But we also need people who will be looking For those obstacles that we may not see, blind spots in our lives. And we all have them, don't we? We all have blind spots. We don't need people who are just gonna be yes, men and women that are just giving us flattery over and over and over again. We need to have people in our lives who are honest with us and have our best interests in mind. And lastly, we need to look for people who are encouraging, not for people who are always trying to contradict. Look for encouragement over contradiction. There's the balance to it. Uh, You've probably, I'm not going to make you raise your hand on this, but you've probably had people in your life that you really see wisdom in their life, and you've asked them to help you. You've asked them to be part of that life advisory team, and you may have brought them in in one way or another, whether it's in in a uh, vocational role, or maybe it's in marriage or finance or business role, and you've brought them into your life, and all of a sudden you realize, All they're doing is playing the gotcha game with you. You know what I'm talking about? People are just, they're only looking for one thing, and that is to contradict everything that's going on in your life. We don't need that kind of mess, do we? We've all had that person. We've all had those people in our lives. We need people who are wise. We need people who are honest, but we also need people who do encourage us. Because it's the people who are wise and the people who are encouraging that have the ability, that have the stake in our lives to be honest. In my life, I've had so many people who've been on my kind of board of directors on my life advisory team. By the way, years ago, I quietly let a few of those people go because all they wanted to do was play the gotcha game with me, right? So I fired them from my life advisory team. They may not know that, but they probably do now as of today. So anyway, uh, anyway, you, know, you may have to do that. But we have people in our lives that have had this great influence. And today, part of the reason I picked this topic to talk about today is my mom was that for me. And she passed in 2015 after a very, very short battle with cancer. But I got to tell you, man, she had such a huge impact on my life. In fact, there are two women in my life who've had a major impact on my life, and one of them is my mom. Susan Cullen was praying for me to be called into the ministry before I was born. Some days I thank her for that. (laughs) I thank her for that every day. I'm extremely thankful for my mom who prayed for me, who encouraged me. I could call her up at a moment's notice. She always wanted to hear about what I was teaching, but she never wanted to hear me teach because she was an English major, and my English stinks, and I understand that. So anyway, she was awesome, and I miss her tremendously. And She encouraged me in my faith walk. And the other person, the other woman in my life is my wife who's back often behind the scenes, even though you see her up here, she spends more time behind the scenes than she does anywhere else. And she is absolutely my confidant. She is the person that has encouraged me in my ministry more than anyone else. And I'm incredibly thankful for her wisdom. And I promise you this, when I haven't listened to her wisdom, I have failed and I have fallen. And that is the absolute truth. Right, guys? Right, men? It's really true. And I'm so thankful for the women that God's placed in my life, my wife, and my mom, who are amazing people who exemplify. Proverbs 31, verse 26, when the writer of Proverbs says that she opens her mouth, talking about the virtuous woman, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. That is a great example of someone that we need to have in our lives It is our life counsel. It is someone who's going to guide us along the way. The last thing, we need to develop a, a life advisory team to choose our advisors carefully. And then the third thing is that we must listen to wise counsel. We can gather the people in our lives. We can bring them into the inner circle. We can have them advise us when we're at critical stages. We can have them advise us when we're in trouble. We can have them advise us how to land in the middle of the fog. But if we don't listen to their counselors, we're the ones that are unwise. If we don't listen to their counsel. Proverbs 15, 22. Refuse good advice. Refuse good advice. And watch your plans fail. I love that. It says in another version, without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors there, they succeed. This is uh, from the NIV. Take good counsel and watch them succeed. Refuse good advice and watch your plans fail. But take good counsel and watch them succeed. We have a choice in this. We can listen and we can follow or we can ignore I want to encourage you today wherever you are in your life. You're going to have choices. If you aren't at an intersection right now, if you're not at a life point right now where you're having to make a choice or a major decision and you want to find God's will, you may be tomorrow. It's just the facts. We're either coming out of a major life decision, we're right in the middle of a life decision, or we're going to be faced tomorrow with a life decision. We all face it in our lives. And my encouragement and my challenge to you is to bring those people that you trust, that you recognize that have made wise and godly decisions in the past, and bring them into the inner circle. Get them praying for you. Get them fasting for you. Get them to have conversation with you about what you're doing and who you are. And allow them to have an influence in your life. I want to end today with just a quick story from the book of Esther. There are so many uh, different examples. I thought it would be good to use one from the book of Esther today of someone who followed uh, wise counsel. And Esther had this great mission that she, for her, the sake of the Jewish people, needed to go to the king. But if she went to the king, it might cause her and her family harm. And we see in Esther 4, verses 14 through 17, I want you to check this out. Mordecai challenged her with this this is what Esther does. Verse 14, he says, for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house so will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. This was Esther's big moment but there was a big decision to make, and I want you to look at what she does. She says to the she says to Mordecai, then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women, she says, will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king. She says, then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. But I want you to look again at verse 16. She says, to go and gather all the Jews and have them pray and fast for her. She says, I and my young women, we will pray and fast about this. She brings people in, and she has them give counsel through prayer. And she says, then, then, I will go to the king. The decisions that you make today and tomorrow, and throughout your life, are going to be critical. They may be life-changing and life-making decisions. And don't you want to make decisions that please him? That first landing light is wise counsel. My prayer is that we all would seek wise counsel as we seek to do God's will, to find his best, to do what he wants with our lives. Father, thank you for counselors in our lives. Counselors like many of our moms who in their lives were wise, they used great wisdom, they were thoughtful i thank you for the people in our lives who have our best interest in mind and father i pray as we your people um try to figure out your will and try to pursue what you want god i pray that you would give us the courage and the conviction to develop a team of advisors in life and father would you help us to do that. Help us to find people that, yeah, they might have talent, but their real gift is they have wisdom. Help us to find people who, they may give us some words of encouragement, but they're also willing to be honest, point out our blind spots, because they have our good in mind. And Father, help us to find people who are encouraging who won't just tear us down, but will support us and build us up. Father, I pray that you would help us as we seek out wise counsel and let that first landing light come on in our lives, very bright so that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are following your lead. God, I thank you for these and many in my life have been wise counsel through the years, and I pray that you would help us to find wise counselors to advise us and give us counsel in this life as we navigate it. We pray this all in your name. Amen.